Are you ready to be awakened and empowered in your calling and purpose? Are you a builder and shaper of the church, marketplace, and society? Welcome to Transformation Generation Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Schneider, and I look forward to helping you get equipped as a catalyst of the kingdom in your sphere. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the broadcast today. We're going to be talking about, for the next few moments, how to partner with Holy Spirit to break those habits. <laughs> now, you know what I'm, what I'm talking about. How, how do we break these habits that we still have that we might not want to admit to anybody or something that we're struggling with? Why are we ashamed of that? Because we generally think that when we come to the Lord Jesus, we should be just automatically free of everything, no more habits, hang-ups, whatever it is. And in reality, many people who give their life to Jesus, they get genuinely saved, but sometimes old habits need to be replaced by new ones. And we find out that it's very much a partnership between the Holy Spirit and ourselves to see that come to pass. There's a little work we have to do, and you might say, well, hold on, Pastor Derek, you know, we're not saved by works. I'm not talking about works gaining us salvation. I'm talking about working out our salvation with, you know, fear and trembling and and dealing with some things for ourselves. For example, a very small example, but how we partner with God. You know, Holy Spirit wrote the Bible, but we can't just take that Bible and put it on our heads and say, you know, fill me with the word, Lord. No, we have to carve out time in our busy schedules and actually read the, the Bible that Holy Spirit wrote for us. So there's a partnership involved. We know that, you know, we can barely do anything in the Christian life apart from the Holy Spirit. And he is the agent of our sanctification. But there's something for us to do too, isn't there? And this discovery of how to partner with Holy Spirit to change our lives actually is a process of maturity. This is a maturation process from baby Christian or immature believer, all the way up to mature son or daughter. And we touched on this a little bit in our previous podcast, The Glory of the Local Church. We talked about what kind of people are, are, are used by God. What qualifies a person to step into the fullness of their calling, purpose, and destiny? That's their spiritual inheritance. Apart from salvation, you have a spiritual inheritance, which is your calling, your purpose, and your destiny. And that we access that as we come of age. Think of it like money held in trust, that only when you reach the age of maturity can you begin to access the fullness of your calling, destiny, and your, and your purpose. We also looked at Galatians chapter 4, where it said, The heir, as long as he is a child, differs not from a slave, although he is the owner of everything, but he's under guardians and managers. And the principle there was, as long as the heir... Although they have a great inheritance, uh, as long as the heir is immature, uh, they are unable to access the fullness of their inheritance. Listen, we've got a lot of churches throughout the world filled with baby Christians, unable to access the fullness of their calling, purpose, and destiny, and therefore are not able to be used out there. Why? Is it that God says, you know what, you're just too immature, I don't like you, I don't want you, I can't use you? No, no. 
It's that he knows that if he were to give you the fullness of your inheritance now, without the character, without the maturity, that thing would kill you. (laughs) And he cares more about your soul than he does your ministry results. He, He wants to see you saved. He wants to see you remain saved until you reach your your eternal promise, which is heaven. So, Understand that there's a process of maturity in the kingdom of God once we've given our lives to Christ. We also looked at a particular scripture, and I'm going to have it open in front of me uh, here today, and that was Matthew chapter 13, verse, uh, let's, let's begin at verse 36. Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. And he said, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man, and the field is the world. And as for the good seed, these are the sons and daughters of the kingdom. Now, what was Jesus talking about here? The disciples took him aside and asked for a little more clarity on who. (laughs) Tell us about these seeds, because up until that point, they understood that the seed was the word of God preached. And they knew that some seed fell on certain different types of soil and it produced a certain result. And this related to the gospel of salvation. And so Jesus's curveball was that he said, actually, you are the gospel that is to be preached. You are the seed. The sons and daughters of the kingdom are the ones, the seeds that I want to sow into the harvest. Okay, the mature sons and daughters, let's say. Now, when you look at the word word, the word becoming flesh or the the seed of God, we understand that this word is sperma. It's where we get the English word for sperm, believe it or not. And uh, it can it is the the seed that contains the very DNA of God. How wild is that? Now, when you gave your life to Christ, and this part is really important. If you have tuned into this, pay close attention. This will blow your mind. What what actually happened at the salvation experience was you you have a dead spirit man, dead because of sin. You are a spirit, soul, and body, and your spirit, man, if you were to be able to see it in the natural on an x-ray or something like that, you would see a maybe a black, dead uh, spirit. And what happened was, when the sperma of God was released, the word, when the word of God was preached, and you mixed faith with it, there was a supernatural explosion of new birth, rebirth. <laughs> the the DNA of God met the egg of your faith. <laughs> the sperm of God met the egg of your faith, and there was an explosion of conception, and you were as as it says, born again. <laughs> That's why the scripture says you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. You literally have been born again spiritually. How powerful is that? Salvation isn't just a prayer. You you pray or you convert to some style or philosophy of thinking, salvation is a supernatural experience. And the new birth is when the word is preached, you mix faith with it, and then there's an explosion of new life, and now you are children of your father. Now you have a father, (laughs) your heavenly father, and guess what? Because the word came from him, the sperma, 
you now have God DNA flowing through your spiritual veins. <laughs> How cool is that? Just wherever you are right now, just confess, I have God DNA. You have God DNA flowing through your spiritual veins. Now you have access to the nature of your father. That's why the scripture says you, you have a new nature. The scripture even says uh, we have been made partakers of the divine nature. I wanted to reference that properly, but you have been made partakers of the divine nature. That's a fancy way of saying you have been made partakers of the God nature. Now you have a new nature and, and let's say a potential. When I say nature, I'm talking about your desires and bent are different. I heard someone once say, fish swim, birds fly, sinners sin, it's in their nature. <laughs> we have these things that are natural to do when we have a certain DNA flowing through our lives. So when you come through Jesus Christ and you receive salvation, you have, there's been a supernatural explosion of life and now you have a nature that is after God's nature nature. You don't want to sin anymore. And you have the Holy Spirit working on you to help you not to sin anymore. The desire is there. The faith is there. The opportunity to receive forgiveness is there. But sometimes dealing in this world and in our flesh suit that we're wearing, sometimes, like Paul said, I don't do what I want to do and I'm, I, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. This body, when can I be done away with it? We're still dealing with habits and different things that, that need to be broken for us to come into maturity as mature sons and daughters. And so salvation is the beginning of the growth process. We need discipleship. We need deliverance. There are things that need to happen for us to come into maturity as sons or daughters and be able to access the fullness of our spiritual inheritance, which is our calling, purpose, and destiny. It's a maturation process. Now, how do we do this? We have thought for years that simply church attendance, attending church once a week, two hours on a Sunday morning, that that would do and supply everything we need <laughs> to grow into the image of the sun, and then we'll get sun results. But we've discovered that you actually need a whole lot more than that. You need Holy Spirit's help and you need to partner with him in the area of disciplines. Let me give you point number one today, which is the word of God. This is the process of maturity, the process of becoming a mature son. So you can step into your calling, son or daughter. The word must be digested by the child. The word of God must be fully digested. That's different than just tasted, isn't it? It's different than just tasting. Taste and see that the Lord is good, but the word of God must be more than sampled. It must be digest, digested and processed. So the word must be digested, not just head knowledge, but the word must actually become flesh. <laughs> the word that contains the DNA of God. You see, we now, as new creation in Christ Jesus, have access to God's nature. That means if God, your father, is a joyful God, 
peaceful God, loving God, we have access to the supernatural peace. We have access to supernatural joy. We have access to supernatural love that is not of this world. When we make the word become flesh in us, when we really cultivate that DNA, we actually have access to all that is the personality and nature of God. For example, my, my earthly father, he used to tell some 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 pretty bad jokes. It wasn't that they were perverse or something. They just weren't that funny. And I thought, I am never going to grow up and joke around the way he does, only to find. <laughs> Whether I wanted to or not, I was the, the older I got, the more I grew, the more I sounded like him, behaved like him, even if I didn't want to. Why? It's in my nature. <laughs> it's his DNA flowing through my veins. So in the same way as you grow and are maturing in Christ, you have the DNA of God the Father flowing through your spiritual veins. You can access his joy. You can access his supernatural love. You can access his, his, his healing power. You can access all that God has as part of his nature, his image and likeness. All the way back as far as the garden, you actually can access, but there's a process to growing in this maturity. So as I said, number one, the word, sperma of God, must be digested, not just head knowledge, but the word must become flesh. It must make its home in you. The word must become so much a part of you that it does the work of transforming you. Amen? <laughs> when you fight against sin, you will lose every time in your own flesh. But when the Word of God is so formed in you, been so digested, it's so become flesh, the Word in you will fight against sin. That's why David said, Thy Word have I hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. It's the word of God that deals with sin. It's the word of healing, the word of God as it pertains to healing, that heals the sick. It's the word of God as it pertains to love that flows through your words and your actions and, and touches people's hearts. When the word has made its home in you, it goes where you go and ministers through you. <laughs> can you say amen? When you can get that word digested and hidden inside of you, going from head knowledge to heart knowledge, that's when it begins to express itself through you and people don't know where you end and Jesus begins. <laughs> and you can rightfully say to people, if you've seen me, you've seen my father. It's the same nature same DNA. So we've got to be willing to digest it, not just taste it. Now, when I ate an apple this morning, I could have just simply tasted it but, and then spit it out, thinking that this whole thing is about something just tasting good. But instead, I chose to swallow it and it began a process because I understand the purpose of, of eating. The purpose of eating food is not just for taste, but it's for growth. So when I tasted of the apple, I, I, I chewed it. It went through a process in my, in my mouth that I did very naturally, then swallowed it. It went down into my stomach where it began a process where, of digestion and the nutrients and life of the apple that my body needed began to be sent 
to the four corners of my body and the waste is eliminated. This is a process. And in the same way, we need to treat the word of God this way. We need to treat sermons this way. We need to treat scripture this way. Have you ever wondered why you could grow up in church and hear so much of the word or go to Bible college even, as good as Bible colleges are. But you could go to Bible college and, and learn and get all this head knowledge. But if it doesn't get digested through a process that is partnered with Holy Spirit, then what use is it? You know, it, it, it says very clearly in, in, uh, in James that we're not just to be hearers of the word, but we're to be doers of the word. And the original language there, the book of James is speaking to a Greek-minded culture that were just interested in hearing another lecture, <laughs> hearing another sermon. They had no intention of applying it to their lives, digesting and processing it. And, uh, and it says that that's like auditing a course in the original language. If you do the deep study on that particular passage, it's like auditing a course, but not getting the credit. It's like attending university, paying the money, spending the time, but not getting the credit. Such is the person who hears the word, but doesn't make it become flesh to apply it to their life to get results. This is a result-oriented gospel, guys. <laughs> that's an actual scripture that's C commanding us to do it this way. Well, that sounds like some of us in our churches today, doesn't it? The way we will gather in the, just like the Greek-minded uh, people of that day, they gathered in an amphitheater, we'll gather in a church, and, and we will listen to the lecture, the sermon, we'll shout amen, go out to lunch, discuss it, but have no intention of applying it or making it become flesh in us. Let me explain this to you. Studies have now shown that when you listen to a sermon, let's say a 45-minute or hour-long sermon, when you listen to that sermon, you have forgotten 70% of it. I think it's at least 70% of it within 48 hours. Can you imagine? You've forgotten this podcast that you're listening to. You will have forgotten at least 70% of it within the next 48 hours. And so how can you make that thing become flesh? Why would you put in the time of even listening to this podcast? Boy, Bruce, I, I think we need to do two weeks in a row on this because I'm, I'm barely into, I'm, I'm gonna keep going, but I'm barely into where I wanna go because this is such an important subject, okay? Keep, keep, keep going. <laughs> so when, when you're taking in the word, and, and can you imagine within 48 hours, you've forgotten 70% of it. So you're taking the time to listen to this podcast. You're going to church every week. You're hearing someone preach. And, and, and you're, you're gaining maybe 30% result from the time you're putting in. Like auditing a course, but not getting the credit. Isn't that fascinating? So what do we do? How do we change our lives to make the word so become flesh in us that it begins to minister through us. Let me, let me explain that to you, okay? When I, I'll use this illustration. When I was younger and when I first went into ministry, my mentor, I was listening to his sermon tapes. Back then it was, back then it was tapes. <laughs> and I had the, the tape cassette, the tape deck in my little red BMW sports car 
and I would listen to his tapes over and over again because he said to me, Derek, if you really want to take the word and make it become flesh and have it live out through you, you need to listen to each message four to seven times. Four to seven times on one sermon. (laughs) Four to seven times. And so that's what I did. I would listen to the tape on repeat. And you know what? I began to notice something that would happen. Because I had a whole digestion process that I did with even even just a tape. And uh, I noticed something would happen when I would listen to it the first few times. The first time, I was mostly inspired. I had inspiration from what I heard, but I wasn't necessarily transformed by it. We think we are because we're feeling the emotions, we're feeling inspired. Of course, there's something that Holy Ghost is doing in you when you hear something once. I'm not minimizing that. But the real inner transformation where your life is different, where certain habits are broken, where you are changing and and your behavior is changing, your personality is changing, you're beginning to be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus, that takes digestion and process of the word even by utilizing repetition. So I was really meditating on these sermons. I was watching, I was listening to them on repeat and I found the second or third time, guess what happened? I heard things I did not necessarily hear the first time. (laughs) I'm thinking, wow, I didn't hear that the first time. The third time I'm hearing other things I didn't hear the second time. And then pretty soon, the Holy Spirit is beginning to convict me of certain things in my life pertaining to what was being said on this tape. So I was actually beginning to feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and I was beginning to come into almost a prayerful listening of a single sermon. Lord, yes, do that in me. Oh, I need to change that part of me. God, help me to walk this out. Wow, I never heard that scripture before. Am I a Christian? Yes. You know, Paul said, I would that you not sin, but if you do sin, we have an advocate before the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And we know we can come boldly before the throne of grace and find mercy. We can repent. We know that. But the changing of behavior, the development of mature sons and daughters worthy of our calling, purpose, and destiny, worthy of being sent out beyond the four walls into the harvest. This is a process. It's still miraculous, but it's not your 30-second drive-through McMiracle. <laughs> okay, so so I'm listening to, I like that, McMiracle. What do you think, Bruce? Trademark it trademark right there (laughs) we've got some people in the studio with us today mcmiracle it's not a mcmiracle it's a process miracle like jesus talked about the the seed that becomes the great tree and you begin to discover that things that are truly kingdom grow by incremental process of course sudden miracles and healings are are part of the kingdom but the work of transformation total transformation oftentimes, I'll say oftentimes, is a beautiful miracle process. It's why a baby, no matter how, how great the anointing is in your conference, a baby takes nine months before, <laughs> from conception to, to birth, okay? Because it reveals the value of the growth process, the value of that thing. 
So you pay a price for this. So I was listening to the sermon over and over again and and I found I was hearing things I didn't hear before. I was now repenting of different things. And then I would bring that tape. Once I had heard it around four or five times, I would bring that tape into the house, from the car to the house. I'd put it into the, the tape deck. And I would listen to it. And this time I'm taking notes. I'm taking notes and writing down those key things that really spoke to me. And I've got the notes there. And then I'm reviewing the notes. And eventually, I would take this digestion process all the way from the first time I heard the tape all the way to teaching what I heard. And that's a sign of true mastery, they say. When you're able to teach effectively and represence what you had heard on that tape, you find out that somewhere along the line, the word that was preached in that sermon went from head knowledge and dropped into heart knowledge, and it begins to live through you. Now you're beginning to live out that word without having to really strive for that. That thing is beginning to live through you because it's so become a part of your spiritual DNA. <laughs> now, if you don't think I'm right, let me ask you this question, those who have been, church, been in church a little while. How many sermons on love have you heard? Hmm? Are you loving people? much better than you did five years ago. Some of you would say, wow, I've even declined from where I once was. Are you loving your neighbor anymore? Are you going from glory to glory? You laid hands on the sick five years ago. Are you seeing an increase in healings and miracles now? You see, this is all part of it. You've got to make the word to, be, uh, to become flesh. So this brings us to point number two, because you might say, man, Sounds like hard work, listening to a, a tape over and over and over again. Well, number two is you must be willing. We must be willing to apply labor and effort to the process. Remember, this is our partnership with Holy Spirit. He'll do the supernatural part. You do what you can do in the natural. Number two is we must be willing to apply labor an effort to this thing. You cannot become a son or daughter worth sowing until you have labored upon yourself to the point that you begin to resemble God. Remember, it's a partnership with Holy Spirit. We cannot make ourselves resemble God, but we can work on ourselves in partnership with Holy Spirit. There is a place for discipline in the kingdom of God. There is a place for even self-development in the kingdom of God. And you say, well, hold on there. Hold on there, Derek. Well, let me take you to the fruit of the Spirit. Did you know that one of the fruits of the Spirit was, uh, was self-control? <laughs> not God-control. Not God controlling your life for you, but self-control or self-discipline. One of the fruits of Holy Spirit's work in your life is self-discipline. The ability to control yourself. The ability, even I would go as far as to say, to adhere to certain disciplines that allow you to grow in God and all of this in partnership with the Holy Spirit. So we must be willing to apply labor and effort to this thing, just like I did with, with, with the tapes. And, and you know what? I've got so much to say on this subject. I think I'm going to finish with this quick story, and then we'll, we'll get into a part two of this uh, next week. But uh, I remember when I first went into ministry, and I really wanted to, 
to see the power of scripture at work through my hands. I wanted to see the sick healed. I wanted to cast out demons. And, and I had grown up in church. And so I had heard these scriptures. I had seen people do these kinds of things. I'd seen a few healings and, and miracles, but never really through my own hands. And so I told the Lord, when I go into ministry, I want to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. So I began to pray for the sick. And to my utter shock and horror, nobody was getting healed. <laughs> I knew the scriptures, I could quote them, but nobody was getting healed. In fact, one person even died. You know, people just got worse. And it got to the point where I had this kind of routine where I would lay hands on the person and then I wouldn't want to ask, do you feel any different? And, and I would kind of walk away after praying for them because I just never saw anybody healed. So this began to frustrate me a bit because I wanted to see the word of healing work. And so I knew that I probably had to go deeper into this thing. And so I began to challenge the Lord in my youthful zeal. And he honored it. I said, Lord, you know what? If I'm praying for sick people and they're not getting healed, this is your problem, not mine. <laughs> Why should I be embarrassed? It's you that will be embarrassed. But, but I made a deal with God. I was going to pray for every single sick person that I saw. And I was going to put God to the test on this. And it's his reputation at stake. Now, I didn't just do that. I also began to read through the New Testament and I would highlight in purple every faith scripture, every miracle, healing scripture, deliverance. I was highlighting all of them until the point where I was just only reading the faith, miracle, and healing scriptures out of the New Testament. Because my reasoning is, what good is it to read the rest of the Bible if I can't get the healing scriptures working? So if they don't work, well, what's the point in studying the rest of the Bible when I haven't mastered this yet? And I began to read those scriptures and meditate on them every day. And do you know, later on, I went on to make a book out of that called The Little Book That Moves Mountains. It'll be available, uh, you know, at some point. We're still getting permissions from, uh, from a particular Bible publisher to use these, all these scriptures in one place. Sort of a how to heal the sick book. And, and we're going to be releasing that. But I was reading those every day. I would even take some of them and write them down on a cue card. And I would carry that cue card around in my pocket and I'd be reading them each day and praying for every sick person I saw. Now, the way growth works is I didn't see an immediate result. So I had to keep pressing in to get the word of healing go from my head to my heart. This took time. This took processing. This took laboring. This took digesting. This was a process that God was doing in my life. And you know what? I can't exactly tell you when it happened, when that word of healing dropped from my head down into my heart. But at some point, it made its way from head to heart, and it began to do the work of supernatural healing through me. <laughs> now it wasn't just my hands trying to get somebody healed or, or my, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, trying to get people healed. Now there was the supernature at work. 
We have been made partakers of the divine nature. Now the word that had been, the word of healing started to become flesh in me, make its home in me, and express itself through me. One girl was uh, nearby at a, in, a, in a library. She had a brace on her arm, and I did what I told God I would do. I went over and I, I asked her if I could pray for her. She said yes. I laid hands on her. And do you know, she, she, she uh, kept the brace on her, and I walked away quickly because I was, <laughs> I was still at a place where I didn't want to wait around and explain why they weren't healed. So as I was quickly getting out of there, as was my custom, suddenly I heard her say, Oh, I feel heat. <laughs> this is right in the library. I feel heat. And I turned around, and you know, no, nobody was more surprised than I was. And, uh, and she began to take off the brace. Was it me that made her, her arm feel that heat? No, it was the word of healing flowing through me. Was it me that said, take off your brace and, and do this and, and test it? No, the word of healing was so powerfully working through me when I laid hands on her that it compelled her. She believed she was healed, and she took off that brace, and you know what? She was completely and miraculously healed. <laughs> Again, no, nobody was more surprised than I was, but the Word was doing the work of healing through me. The word that was digested and processed was doing the work through me. I, didn't, I wasn't striving for it. Now, seeing that miracle increased my faith, and I began to discover that if I could take Scripture from the Bible, if I could take kingdom principles and put them through a process of digestion, <laughs> I could begin to grow and take on more of the image and likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ partaker of the God nature. We have been made partakers of the divine nature. I could take on more that is the image and likeness of Jesus, and guess what happened? I could begin to wave goodbye to Derek's results in ministry, Derek's attempts at breaking bad habits, and I could welcome Jesus's ministry results, the nature of Jesus in exchange for bad habits. Things began to break off. My personality began to change. I began to smile more. And you know what? I'm just, I'm just going to talk about this with you next week. We've got to do a part two on this podcast because as you begin to set up your own process and digestion system in your life, Holy Spirit will be so attracted to that, you will find a divine partnership and people will no longer recognize you. They'll feel if they've seen you, they've seen the Father. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Transformation Generation Podcast. If you liked what you heard, visit historymakersacademy.com to enroll in one of our cutting edge trainings. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, History Makers TV, or download our History Makers Society app today.